0: And now I'll turn it back over to Faye Hill, who has our first scripture reading this morning.
1: Please join me in the prayer for illumination. Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience. Seeking your honor and glory in all that we do Through Christ our Lord. Amen Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 139 verses 7 through 12 Where can I go from from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for the darkness is as light to you. The Word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, Faye. Our second scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter uh, 13, verses 1 through 9. This is the parable of the sower. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got up into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. He told them, many things in parables saying listen a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and ate them other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil but when the sun rose they were scorched and since they had no root they withered away Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. The gospel of our Lord. Pray with me. Lord, may you reveal to us in this text uh, what it means to see the lands of your good earth flourish, grow, thrive, and that the seeds of our lives and the seeds that we are directed to care for and steward, that we would have the energy and imagination and and, uh, strength to let those grow up strong, and that we with your power would go into the world to share that goodness of life abundant that is only found in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Now, after church today, I have grand plans to work in my yard. (laughs) I have a lawn to mow, leaves and brush to rake, and all sorts of general cleanup and spring work that need to be done. I have lofty goals, and I hopefully uh, am able to set them against some realistic expectations of what's actually possible. I've had a sore back all week long but it's eased up and I'm hopeful that I might be able to enjoy the outside and get some things cleaned up around here. I'm grateful for this time of year and I know that it's time to get on top of these projects. And you know why I know is that in the last few mornings I've woken up with a dry, very unproductive cough, which means that it's a welcome sign of spring allergies and clear but life-filled air. <laughs> I'm despite, despite these itchy eyes and the nagging rattle in my throat, I've had the privilege, I have the privilege of cultivating a small piece of land on Alabama Hill here in Bellingham, Washington. And I, it's a ta- place for me to have a taste of God's green earth, a place to restore and steward creation. But each piece of land that we occupy has challenges with it. And like the parable with the birds, the brambles or the scorching sun, our, re- our lands require work. When my wife Stacy and I purchased our home, we knew that up front, we knew that maintaining the yard of this place would be a bit of work. We live on a hill with trees and cascading vines going down the hill and bushes. We have deer and squirrels and birds. We have drainage issues. We have overgrown weeds. Feel free to come on over. We're going to be out there in the yard all afternoon. We have mossy grass and beautiful rhododendrons, and it takes work to take care of. And when I'm honest about the land I occupy, I also know that the work will never be finished. Instead, I realize that I live on borrowed land, a space that is only my home for a season. And take it back a few hundred years and I realized that that land belonged to Coast Salish people, the first nations of our land. And that land really isn't even mine to begin with. We're all occupants of God's land, and so we must take care, with the best of our ability, of the resources we are given to help them flourish for the time that we are given. This morning, we're going to continue our series on the flourishing creation. We're gonna look at a number of different aspects over these few weeks here of our created world. Forests, trees, lands, mountains, streams, wilderness, sky, all from the perspective that God calls God's people to care for the earth, to repair what has been desecrated, to restore and cultivate lands to their fullness of health and thriving for the good of all creation. Now, this Thursday, we celebrate Earth Day, and this day reminds us that we are connected to the earth and the lands that we stand upon, and we're tasked with the restoration work on them. For the people of Jesus, we commit to caring for the earth because it is the physical site of God's resurrection life, the place where we see new life and redemption physically lived out. Last week, we talked about how creation can be seen as the body of God, the place where we encounter the handiwork of our Creator up close. Today, we focus on the land, the ground under our feet, the expanses that we perhaps survey from our windows or from the top of a mountain trail. The land could be seen as the contour of God's body, the rippling, rolling spaces, where we see the characteristics of the Creator revealed in hills and forests, streams and mountains, and all the life that they hold. Now, to draw us into focus today, we've heard Jesus' parable of the sower. This parable speaks of life and death and resurrection of the seeds that God sows upon the land. The invitation of this parable is to see the land for what it is, to hear the message of how it is spoken, and to find an opportunity to cultivate and restore where we are. We often listen to this parable, this parable of the sower, and immediately we do a self-inventory. What kind of soil am I? Does the seed fall in my life and grow up strong, planted in good soil? Or do I have distractions or thorns, rocky ground in my life that makes the seed's life harder to sprout? Or we hear the passage and we externalize it. We look to others who it might apply to. Maybe there's a friend or a family member who we've tried to share the seed with and who uh, has not received the abundant life of Christ that we had hoped. Or perhaps they are the ones who bring forth good crops And we've watched their life flourish with that seed taking root. The beauty and the difficulty of parables is that they can be read many ways. We can hear Jesus' words for ourselves, for others, and in entirely different ways. Like a prism turned in the light, the rays of meaning in this text can refract in many directions, opening the story up to how God is at work in so many beautiful and challenging ways. Now seeds and sowers are prominent images throughout the scriptures, and they can prove helpful keys in decoding this passage's meaning. For instance, as Jesus tells the disciples of his impending death, he talks about how in a different part of the Gospels, how a grain of wheat must fall to the ground to die in order for a plant to sprout meaning that he must die to complete the work of destroying death think about this metaphor then in the context of this parable the seeds are falling and dying all over in the parable of the sower is it possible that god's story is one that requires such sacrifice and self-emptying and death to take place and that there Is actually hope in parts of this parable that even speaking of the seeds that are being eaten or choked or scorched that these are actually sites of the earliest phases of resurrection the birth that comes from the death that they must undergo you see God is at work throughout all creation and uses all sorts of circumstances and people to carry out the good work of redemption if, as we recall last week, creation can be seen as this body of God, the site of God's resurrection work, then the seeds falling on the rocky path are not certainly lost, but they have a different set of challenges to grow up and find the life of fertile soil. What I begin to wonder with in this passage is not about the outcome of the seed itself, but if the sower has sown seeds on rocky, thorny, hot, fertile and every other kind of land, then perhaps the question becomes how does redemption happen in those difficult spaces? How do we make space for growth? Is it in fact possible that God can even use those seeds to spring forth new life? What seeds have been sown where you are? What is the character of the land? Or lands that you occupy in your daily life what about our church being placed here on this hill or in in this neighborhood upon this land what seeds have been sown by the great sower and what is our task in cultivating and helping them rise up strong and what are the rocks what are the brambles what are the birds of this land How does cultivating and caring for God's good creation call us to engage with those thorny, rocky patches? What does it look like to make space for seeds among the rocks and remove the rocks or branches that would choke growth? This week, as I did last week, I want to challenge you to do something. I want you to take an inventory of the physical land you occupy. Now, I think of my parents or my in-laws, and they each have homes that sit on a larger piece of land that they look out at. And so there's their home, but there's also the physical space of their property, which then also impacts and extends to their neighborhood and their city and their county. So it is with us. Each of us, with our particular land that we occupy, have a particular calling to care for and cultivate it. The challenge that I want to give you is to survey that land, to look at it, take stock of it, be curious about it. What are we, you, me, being called to do as apprentices of that great sower upon our land? What is ready to be cultivated? Perhaps you're like me and you look out at the spring weather in your yard and you think, oh, there is so much to do. What is bursting forth with life? What is ready? Take a picture of it, if you would. Send it to me, as some of you did last week. We have some great pictures of trees on our Facebook page, uh, if you want to check those out. People went out into the forests and found trees. This week, survey your land. Show us what what that looks like. What is God calling you to do in caring for that land? After college, one of my first jobs was a was owning a small freelance web design business here in Bellingham. And my first big client, big client, sizable client, was the Whatcom Land Trust. I was still new to Whatcom County at the time, and so getting to work with this amazing organization and to support their efforts, which steward and protect natural lands of our county, was so amazing. It was even just an opportunity for me to get to know our land a bit more in the process of building a website. And I learned so much about how I was connected with the natural resources of our county, these protected lands for wildlife and vegetation. And looking back on it now, I consider those protected lands my lands too, not in ownership but in partnership and care for them. If I step back, I realize that God has sown seeds all over this land that we share. And our task is to train our eyes and our ears and our hearts to perceive where we can care for those seeds, where we can help them grow. And I hope you know I'm not simply talking about physical seeds but I'm talking about the potential of life that God plants all around us. We are called so deeply into the care and cultivation of that life, to participate in the redemption, restoration of that creation. So I wonder, where do you see that challenge? How do you know that to be true in the land that you occupy? I invite you to share that with us this week. Friends, hear this good news as we close. The sower of the seeds' work does not return void. And sure, the seeds may fall on rocky soil or in the brambles. But it is possible that that seed may still spring up with new life. We entrust that life to the sower of those seeds. And our task Is to cultivate and steward the land that we occupy, to create conditions where those seeds will flourish and grow. I want to close with uh, the prophet Isaiah's words from Isaiah 55, and Isaiah is reminding us that the great sower, the Creator, has sent these seeds out, and they do not return void. Here, Isaiah 55: Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you, because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to God, that they may have mercy on them, and to our God that he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts." For as the rain and the snow come down from the heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return empty to me, but it shall accomplish accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy. And be led back in peace the mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress instead of the briar shall there be myrtle and it shall be to the Lord a memorial for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off friends God's word does not return void, but goes out to flourish and grow. May we go with it, receive it, and work with it as our calling in our life. Pray with me. God, lead us out from this place in this moment of this week as people who could go and cultivate the seeds you have sown we trust you have laid them for us to participate in and cultivate ourselves. So, Lord, lead us to the places where we need to go, to the people, to the lives, to the, the workplaces, to the, 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 the opportunities we have to care for so many others. Please, Lord, leave us, lead us there, that we might spend the time to notice the seeds that you have planted in the lands around us, to celebrate them and help them spring up in new life.